five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready Set Poem Podcast. This is Chris at Light Force coming in through your ears or over the speakers that you use to irritate the neighbors with. But we're here again with another episode of the Premier Podcast that covers everything that you need to know about the Vancouver Titans. And I am joined virtually by Omni at OmniStrife. How you doing there, Omni? I'm doing pretty good, uh, despite some pain in my foot. Recently, I did the Vancouver Sun Run this week. And pretty similarly to what we get in the new map, we were greeted not by sun, but by a freaking hailstorm in the middle of uh, uh, April. Uh, but that <laughs> that wasn't the issue. I, apparently, I overexerted myself a bit, so my, my foot is kind of killing me. But other than that, everything is a-okay. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you did like months and months of, you know, training before doing the sun run, right? Oh, yeah. I had about like uh, two runs. Uh, in the last three months of uh, four kilometers or so. Seems enough. Seems enough. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, the Vancouver Sun Run is like, a, was it a 10K run, I think? Yeah. Yeah, around downtown Vancouver. Um, and, you know, I, I I ran in it years ago, but then I got old, so I decided I didn't want to <laughs> do it anymore. But uh, did you did you see Sam while you were uh, out there running around downtown? Not really. I saw a bunch of people, but I haven't seen him. <laughs> yeah, because Sam is MIA. Last week he told us he was too busy to make it out because he was downloading a patch. I'm pretty sure the patch has been downloaded. So maybe he's too busy with the archives event that he got from the patch. I don't know. Yeah, let's uh, let's put it out there. If you have seen Sam in the last, I don't know, week or two, just let us know. We can or at least find him. Let us know he's okay, right? Yeah. I mean, we're at the stage where we're going to throw his picture onto a milk carton. <laughs> or a milk bag. But that's or a milk bag, that's, that's right. Or an East Coast thing, right? Yeah, an East Coast Canadian thing. In fact, East Coast, I wonder if it's just Ontario. I, I It's been a long time since I've seen milk in bags. And again, for those of you who aren't from Canada, you'd be asking milk in bags. Trust me, it's weird even to us out here in the West. <laughs> As far as this episode's concerned, though, we got a lot to talk about. We had the Titans play a couple of matches this weekend. Uh, we saw more goats. We saw less goats. We saw a whole lot of, you know, craziness over the week that was. Um, geez, there's some more movement in the league. We've got a new patch out. We've got an event. Uh, man, this is just an action-packed episode. So you know what? We're just going to jump right into the uh, payload. Let's do this. Moving the payload. Join me! Starting off, week two, the Vancouver Titans were facing the Seoul Dynasty in a match that the uh, two of us had said was going to be easy. Uh, the Vancouver Titans won 3-1, and quite frankly, it was easy. Uh, just to quickly recap the four maps, we had a 2-0 roll on Busan, 3-2 in OT and Temple Anubis, 3-1 on Eichenwald, and uh, we Rialtoed Rialto <laughs> for our loss. Yeah, it was kind of a throwaway map there, I think. But well, at least we got our predictions correct, right? That's true. That is true. I, I think, you know, when I was watching the match, it, it was... Not that it was a foregone conclusion, 
but you could tell that Soul didn't really have an answer for the Titans. Um, they rolled out slightly different, um, you know, team compared mm-hmm. to what we saw in the in the Stage One semifinal. But I mean, if there was a a clip that you need to watch, or if you want to watch any of the vods, because you happened to miss those uh, four maps. Watch Eichenwald, where uh, Fiandor in his post-game describes quite aptly as the Vancouver Titans use the highly complex strategy of run directly at Seoul and kill them all. <laughs> you know what, though? I think uh, despite the great game on Eichenwald, the most interesting highlight from that game uh, came in the form of the interview that Fisher and uh, Ryu Jehong gave before the map. And Fisher literally says that... Uh, he. he T- talks to Vancouver and says, please be gentle with us. And Ryu <laughs> Hong is laughing. So I, I think they weren't even like looking for answers. I don't know what it's about. I guess the Titans are a scary bunch, but it feels to me like uh, Seoul even coming into this map had no like plans of even presenting a fight against us. They kind of felt overwhelmed even before starting the match. And looking at the lineup they they run, it's it's really weird. Feels kind of like Soul from last year. Like, why wouldn't you play Fleta? What are you doing? I don't know. Outside of that casual Rialto throw, um, there was nothing much to see uh, from Soul in this map, in this game, I should say. No, and you know we would be remiss if we didn't also mention that the Titans went back to their sort of stage one lineup. Uh, we had seen Stitch come in in uh, in week one there, but uh, someone so uh, found his way back into the lineup for that goats, uh, you know, structure that they're they're so accustomed to, to playing with. Uh, I I, I kind of you know watching the the maps as I said didn't feel that at any point it was sort of too out of hand, and even on like on Anubis, quite frankly, it just, Vancouver looked to be in control throughout, um, to the point that they might have, you know, had bumper doing bumper things, but we've seen that the Titans are more than able to overcome bumper doing bumper things. Right. So it, it, you know, soul completely outmatched. Now the match though, that, uh, that I found (laughs) a little scary. Even though the Titans won three one was against the Houston Outlaws. Now, going into this, I don't think anyone, their mom, or their long lost relatives, gave Houston a hope of beating the Vancouver Titans. Hmm, right? Yeah. It was clear it was that the Titans were going to roll over Houston and ultimately, you know, match up against uh, both uh, Dallas and, and Boston that we'll see for this week. Now, the Titans, knowing they're going up against a, a Houston uh, lineup that has some DPS uh, chutzpah, put Stitch back into the lineup and promptly played Stitch in a goat's role. Uh, yeah, he did the best impression he could of Somin Su. Uh, not amazingly, but yeah, that's pretty much what we saw from him. Yeah, and you know, I I'd commented in in the early going because see the Titans actually got two owed on the first map, mm-hmm. so it, control maps are where the Titans 
generally excel. And yet here against the Houston Outlaws, they got two out on Busan, a map that they're also quite strong on. Now I'd commented that when Stitch came out, that they didn't let Stitch do Stitch things. Kind of like, you know, Bumper doing Bumper things. Mm -hmm. Stitch came out and had to sort of impersonate so-and-so. And then when they started to make changes to adapt, they had Stitch go on a Sombra. Sombra, yeah. Sombra Ghosts. And, you know, so it struggled against, I, I don't even know what you call the lineup that Houston rolled out that had a Torb in it. It wasn't really like a bunker comp, but it kind of was. And Houston confused the Titans. I think if if we look back at all of the matches that Vancouver has played so far, and we go back and we review all of the podcasts that we've recorded, what is it that we have said could be potential weaknesses for the Titans? One, a team that's aggressive and brings the aggression. We've seen San Francisco do that, and to some respect, Chengdu. Mm-hmm. And then teams that confuse the Titans, throw chaos in their face. Right. Chengdu had some success. We also saw Guangzhou having some success with the, the confusion. Again, the Titans persevered, but that's when it was, you know, a little touch and go. So what did Houston do? They threw confusion, and oh my goodness, they're up 1-0. Like, were you a little scared like I was? A bit, yeah, because we saw Lingzer doing Lingzer things. He was pretty bananas on that soldier at one point. And Muma, who's a really good uh, um, wrecking ball player, also showed up for that map. So it definitely seemed like one of the worst maps we ever played. If you don't count that first game, I think it was against Shanghai, which was kind of similar to this game, really, in Busan, where we got rolled 2-0. Uh, yeah, we got confused. We got kind of flabbergasted. That switch to Sombra was a little bit too little, too late, I guess, for for uh, the Titans. And it felt like something is off here. But then Houston, for I don't know what reason, decided, okay, this looks like we can uh, do some chaos and get some maps. What's the next like sensible thing to do? Well, to Houston, it was running goats <laughs> against uh, uh, Vancouver in, in Paris, I believe, was the second map. And they yep, just Paris. kept bashing their head against like Vancouver goats and never uh, tried to bring up anything different. Uh, it was really weird. They kind of shot themselves in the foot again and again and again and again. Eichenwald, again, it looked like. Here they are. Houston is playing well. They they uh, prevented us from reaching the castle. But then what Vancouver does? Well, no problem. You you won't even make it to the freaking bridge. Uh, right. So uh, last map was it Rialto again? Yeah, it was Rialto. Mm-hmm. But at, at that point, it felt like Houston all, all the wind was out of their sails, and they couldn't even get below that small bridge. They couldn't get to a. And basically it was game over. Yeah. And I, you know, going back to, to Paris here. So, um, you had mentioned Linkser was going off on Busan and for whatever reason, Houston decided they needed to go goats. Now there was quite a bit of uproar about this. And for those that are, are curious as to, you know, what went down, um, uh, Rowlett over on uh, the Ready Set Pwn, uh, uh, website actually wrote a post called a game of throws. Outlaws edition. Now, if you read the title, you'd be like, oh, are the outlaws throwing? Well, some thought they were because they continued to try to go goats against goats. But he actually breaks down not only the the maps that they were playing, but really statistically what 
best suited Houston based on their personnel and the maps that they actually had to play on compared to how the Titans would play. And goats did seem to be the answer. The problem is you have Linkser who went ham suddenly being taken out and cool mat being subbed in. And that, that shift was enough to allow the Titans to get in their comfort zone. Now on Paris, the outlaws just could not for the life of them mount an effective attack. They continued to go into the, uh, the room on the right, which was like a room of death. Like it made, <laughs> made little sense as to why they continued to go into the same spot. And you had, you had bumper playing monkey, uh, you had someone so, uh, dishing in some, some sorry, just like twilight, keeping them healed and throwing in the, right, uh, right the uh, nade. So, I mean, it, again, Houston bashed their head many, many times. Eventually they lose. And the Titans, knowing that they just need to get one tick to side, ah, screw goats. Let's go with Sim. And I don't know what we call it, like Sim goats or whatever, but you need to go and watch the clip. Um, who was it that was on Sim? Was it, was it Twilight or was it Soman Sue? I don't remember. Um... Uh, let me, you know what? I let me go back to our uh, post game here sure. that uh, Fiandor while you, wrote. While you do that, uh, allow me. Well, I know we don't have Sam here, but I have kind of a rant of my own on this topic of of, of teams or coaches. Haxall, Haxall, right? Our flex god <laughs> can basically play anything. You know? Did you see his seven uh, uh, k or eight k? Was it? Oh yeah, he, ladder? yeah. That's that's pretty much how I play Genji. If you think, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure total mayhem, Genji. Maybe mm-hmm. if you think uh, that he's forgotten how to play Genji, just watch that clip. That's bananas. His reaction time, his decision making is insane. It's like a robot, really. So here's the rant. I know there's a backlash, and I know how some uh, coaches are talking and defending the decision to stay on goats. Uh, on how, you know, while you might uh, succeed in some weird map, uh, playing crazy, wacky, three DPS, four DPS comps, but uh, goats is still king, and that's why you should persevere and try and keep pushing. You know what? I I think it's bullcrap, and I think that uh, coaches should really get, you know, the the, the gumption. They, they don't have guts. They're, they're acting like cowards. When you go up, up against a team like the Titans, unless you are NYXL, unless you're maybe San Francisco or maybe Gladiators, guess what? You don't have a chance winning the match uh, goats to goats. Your chances are basically one to nine, right? And if you play up a, a wackier comp, it might improve to maybe seven and three, maybe even six to four. So why not try it? I think that a lot of coaches or a lot of teams, they, they would prefer playing to avoid the loss instead of trying to win. They fear to look bad in a loss, like getting rolled. And they would rather to to play goats against NYXL or Titans again and lose that game. I I don't get it. Sure, bash your head against that uh, defense for you know the majority of the map, but I cannot for the life of me uh, understand why even in those last minutes you wouldn't try a hail mary. Now, what can you lose? Nothing. You have no risk. And that's what I think a lot of the coaches or the teams are really afraid of. They're afraid of taking that risk of that step. 
sure, uh, we saw some teams getting close. We saw teams like Guangzhou. You you do have that chance, even when you go up against you know the the one in nine odds. Uh, but just you know, try something different. Even in this stage, we still see teams uh, going up against the best goats teams. And well, I mean, you know what? As a Titans fan, keep doing that. Keep doing that, please, all the way. Um, <laughs> I'm rooting for you. So it's it's funny you mention that because on on Twitter I had said, hey, if you want to run goats, continue to do so. It's making our our life easy. Now. I'm curious. Yeah, and, and and they came up with this excuse like, oh, we'll keep on, even if we lose goats, we're improving. We're learning from mistakes. Guess what? You'll play the Titans a hundred freaking times and you win that one one uh, map out of these hundreds of games. You're not better than the Titans in playing goats. Surprise. But you're not really that much better. Well, I think, so again, Rowlett on uh, readysitpwn.com wrote this article about Game of Thrones, talked about this particular issue and included a tweet from Jake. So on Twitter, Jake says the advice to preemptively accept defeat and use a Hail Mary strat is something that you just wouldn't suggest if you understood what it means to us to be competitors. Hashtag anti up. Now, what Jake is implying there is that by not running goats, by going with some crazy confusion, chaos strat, that that's a Hail Mary. Well, Rowlick actually goes and, dis- and addresses that particular tweet. And I'm just going to read uh, from his post. Finally, Here's one of the outlaws, projectile DPS players, Jake, with a pretty bad take. Three DPS isn't a Hamleary strategy like he seems to think it is. Hopefully the rest of the outlaws and the rest of the pro players don't think that anything non-goats is a cheese team composition as well. Yes, the outlaws lost a fairly close match against an elite team. But if they tried to play three DPS while the Titans did their Titan things they would have been flattened. And I think that's the point is that yes, Mm. the Titans would have probably taken it to them, but that doesn't mean that that strat is a failure going in as, as goats versus goats against by far one of the, the best teams in the current meta in, in such a fashion when it's not your strength is odd. Like I I come from this world of traditional sports. You play to your strengths. You, you focus on what you can control. Even in traditional sports, I mean, the sheer amount of egos we have in this league that's running now for its second official year is is flabbergasting me. I, I'm, I'm confused. You see this happening all the time in the NBA, in the NFL, in the NHL, in, in European uh, soccer or football, whatever you call it. You need to suck it up, understand that the team in front of you is better, and you got to play weird, wacky uh, meta composition, whatever you want to call it, the formations. We saw teams in the past like Greece. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, but they did win a European championship despite the fact that they were never even close on a talent level. You got to play to win the game. So I don't see what's the big fuss of going for that Hail Mary strat. You know what? To What looks better than, than uh, actually uh, losing and keeping meta is actually winning despite going, uh, you know, off of the meta. So again, like I cannot abide to this theory of, uh, Oh, this is like uh, actually something that's ridiculous, especially in this uh, second stage, like uh, Rowlett said, I I don't see it. And if these athletes who are uh, professional from, you know, from uh, high school or college and they're paid, 
tens of thousands of million dollars can do that and and suck up their pride and do some you know weird uh wacky formation or 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 not pretty uh game type why can't like coaches or or players in the Overwatch League do that I don't get it I don't either and I, again you're you're preaching to the converted I I totally agree I think they had success and they moved away from it and they did not adapt like they continue to do the same thing. It, it's it was futile, and yet they didn't seem to look at a, a, for a way to adapt. Um, it was just if you're going to say that you're not accepting defeat by running goats like you did, I don't know how else to interpret it. Um, back to the point that I was just trying to raise in that that strat was the Titans came out with this crazy sim strat to get past the bunker comp that had an Orissa with a Bastion, and if you did not see it, Hacksaw had like a needle to thread the teleporter to so that it was just behind this little statue pillar thing outside of the bastion line of sight. And I think it was the, the Houston diva that might've seen the actual teleport or show up, but by then it was too late. They got past the bastion bumper comes in, uh, takes uh, whomever it was out and, they got their first tick. The other map that I actually wanted to talk about was Eichenwald. Now, again, the Vancouver Titans on Eichenwald uh, showed that they can carry a fight, but Bumper went mad. Like, outside of the <laughs> fact that he got that assist from Boink, who I think we should send him an honorary Vancouver Titans jersey, <clears throat> but Bumper was playing Earth Shatter on freaking cooldown. Yeah. Like, again, if you have not seen this clip, he goes to use his Earth Shatter. Boink, I think, tries to boop him off the map, but does so unsuccessfully and only proceeds to put Bumper into a much better position to get um, essentially the remaining five outlaws down. Bumper then goes, charges, gets a bunch of kills, swings his hammer more, has Earth Shatter again, uses it, gets more kills, and guess what? I'm going to use it one more time. He had Earth Shatter faster than I think he had Fire Strike back. Despite what people, you know, uh, despite the memes and and those plays where Bumper kind of uh, charges off the map and all that, this guy is a beast. He's so good on the ride. We saw that plenty of times where he just... Puts out shatters, like you said, on, on a cooldown uh, like that um, map in Kings Row against San Francisco Shock. That was the first time I've actually seen what happens when this guy is actually trying and not throwing and is super focused. He's a machine. He's doing so much damage. Again, we can we need to credit our support staff uh, for uh, you know allowing to do that. But you cannot disregard the fact that this guy is an absolute unit in more than one way. And he's constantly leading a lot of statistical categories across the board in the league. And he's, is really a, an insane Reinhardt. Yeah. He plays, he plays Ryan, like uh, Ryan's a damage hero. And yep. I get that, you know, in goats, uh, Ryan is not dishing the damage as well as uh, Azari is, but when bumper bumper plays him, I'm positive. He's given someone so run for his money. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, he's. I know it's not Hammond, but he's kind of like the wrecking ball. And then Salmon is the C four that he put out in your building before you try to demolish it. And while Salmon does dish out more damage, uh, Bumper is that wrecking ball that you toss at the other team to kind of misplace them, uh, frighten them, or give them the you know wrong notion that 
here it is. We can just pick up that uh, that tank rushing into us. And guess what? Even if you do get him, that bear trap or mouse trap, I, I don't remember how we uh, <laughs> phrased that. You're basically, uh, you're now easy pickings for the rest of our uh, guys there. Yeah. I think we used mouse trap. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big, uh, big chunk of cheese. <laughs> well, Speaking of the Vancouver Titans moving into uh, this week, uh, on Thursday, the Vancouver Titans are going to be facing the Dallas Fuel as the last match of the day. Now, Dallas, um, if you weren't aware, is where Jane can be found. And uh, Jane was quoted as maybe suggesting Hacksaw isn't as good as we think Hacksaw happens to be. Now, again, from the world of traditional sports, that's what's called bulletin board material. <laughs> Do you believe the Titans might be a little bit more motivated going to this, or at least Haxel might be, to go and prove his worth? Or do you think Dallas is going to be able to give the Titans a a run for their money here? And just to sort of give you insight, the four maps are Lijang Tower, Hanamura, Blizzard World, and Junkertown. Dallas is playing well. They've beaten uh, Paris and then it was Toronto. So they're kind of unbeatable now. And the only comment I'm going to tell, like to, to add after Jane's comments about Haxel not being that good. Uh, just wait for the game. We don't really need to say anything. I believe uh, Haxel will prove himself like he does weekly. And there's no reason to, I, I forgot what the, the, the regular, uh, what the, you know, uh, official quote was we're now in, in uh, Game of Thrones uh, season. So uh, from, I think it was first season when uh, Tywin talks to Jamie uh, and he says, a wolf does not concern himself with the opinions of sheep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of what I feel like when uh, Jane is trying to trash dog the Titans. So we'll just wait for the game. Dropping a Tywin Lannister quote. Oh yeah. <laughs> but Again, we have two maps, uh, two, two games, I mean, in that week against the Fuel and Uprising. We'll talk about it, too. I am a bit concerned. By concerned, I mean we're not going to lose one of these games, I think, but we might get some maps. We might lose some maps, so it's, it won't be like a 4-0-4-0 affair. Yeah. So that's, that's my level of concern, really. Okay, so what are you saying? 3-1 or 3-2 for the fight against Dallas? Um... 3-1. 3-1. Okay. And that's what I was going to say. I was going to say 3-1. Uh, I honestly don't see Dallas presenting too much of a challenge to Vancouver. Um, there is some thought that OG is a better tank than Bumper, which, okay, maybe OG has a better monkey than Bumper, but yeah. I, I, I slain pretty well, OG. Yeah. But the rest, rest of the cast is not on par, I think. So, well, I got to give a shout out to, to Zachary. He and his mom were, you know, having a conversation on Twitter. It was very wholesome. And then Zachary's mom replied to my tweet. That actually made my day. Oh, really? Yeah. I have noticed that. Yeah. Zachary's mom replied to ready, set pwn. So that's, that's another reason why we're the premier source of Vancouver Titans content. We have player moms communicating to us on Twitter. Let me tell you. Um, so if you're a, if you're a mom of a player, just feel free to, uh, talk to us and, and comment yeah. on our posts. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, on the, uh, on the weekend, the Vancouver Titans are going to be facing the Boston uprising. This being on Easter Sunday. Now this match will be the f- first 
one of the day. And the four maps are Lijiang Tower, Paris, King's Row, and Gibraltar. Now, BU is in a weird place. Um, first of all, they have a solid stage two river sweep record. So uh, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Joaldo and uh, Discord who suggested that the Titans maybe lose the first map just to ensure the reverse sweep gods don't get a little uh, concerned. That worked for the Hangzhou Spark when they lost uh, the second map. And I think that's what <laughs> essentially secured their win. Mm-hmm. But uh, is this a different Boston than what we saw in the stage one quarterfinal? I think so. And I'll go back to our uh, quite controversial uh, rankings. We had them pretty low at the bottom. And what I thought about Boston, because because of their like performance or strategies during uh, stage one, they were that strictly GOATS team. They didn't care. Exactly what we talked about a, a, a few minutes ago. But But despite what Houston or other teams are doing, Boston have actually found pretty nice uh, flexibility. And some of their players, Color Hex, is actually showing up and and playing really, really nice Widow. So that's something that I'm quite uh, scared of because that's when we're uh, kind of in trouble, those Widow pickings. Because the Titans, despite running goats, they they like to play a bit looser, I guess. So Mm -hmm. there's way more uh, line sites available for uh, for. Uh, line, lines of sight, I mean, for the Widow. And Color Hex has been playing well. They seem to be more flexible than some of the other teams. So look at Boston. Look how they adapt to a new meta, right? So that's that's what you got to do to uh, improve in, in the second stage. So I all my respect to that team. I don't think they can win against us. Um, but yeah, they're, they're playing well. I think they're also undefeated. They... Uh, no, I, I'm sorry. They beat. Uh, they they lost to Hangzhou, mm-hmm. but before that, they had the two reverse sweeps that were kind of uh, impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boston's two one right now in stage two. Um, the two maps that actually present some concern um, happen to be Kings Row and Gibraltar. Like, and that's not to suggest I don't think the Vancouver Titans can win on 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 it. I think they can. Excuse me, but. Gibraltar, that first point, that's going to be a, a monkey map. And Bumper isn't the the best, Winston. Uh, King's Row, you've got solid sight lines to the point that you raised about Color Hex. I, I think that they might, you know, throw a wrench or two towards the Titans. I don't see how the Titans struggle with Li Jiang Tower. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a huge sample size for Paris. But the Vancouver Titans have shown that they seem to understand the map. And I don't know what Boston does differently that uh, Houston, well, maybe Boston doesn't continue to go the same way with the same comp and try it, you know, a million times until they run out of time. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say 3 1. I was going to say 3 2. I thought, you know, I might, but I'm going to go 3 1. That depends. If we. I'd like to see more flexibility out of the Titans here. If we are to run that Som and Sue Goat's composition against Dallas, I want to see Stitch out there uh, against uh, Boston. If we do carry out that Stitch strategy and adapt and, and play reactive instead of, you know, if we play proactive instead of reactive, I see the 3-1, but it might go all the way to, to map 5 mm-hmm. if we don't. So 
that's pretty much it. And and again, we we tend to play if we if we had two two maps in a week. Uh, one of these games usually you play a bit a bit weaker for for the Titans. Yeah. So. The other thing I want to talk about before we jump into the fray has to be or happens to be the stage two standings. Now, the Vancouver Titans are currently sitting with an undefeated Stage 2 record of 3-0 with a map differential of plus 8. Uh, simply put, the Vancouver Titans have uh, taken map 4 off a couple times and then lost to Houston once, so hence why we see the uh, the differential as it is. Now, why that might be important is here we are, just a few weeks into the stage, and you currently have five teams that are undefeated. You have the New York Excelsior at 4-0, the Los Angeles Gladiators 4-0, San Francisco Shock 3-0, Titans 3-0, and the London Spitfire 3-0. Actually, if we were to include the Dallas Fuel at 2-0, that works too, except Dallas is not going to beat the Titans, so that streak is a moot. <laughs> I like that. So, why... I bring this up is it doesn't appear to me to be a way for the Titans to find themselves into the top two seeds. The New York Excelsior currently four all with a map differential of plus 15. The San Francisco shock with their three Oh record have a map differential of plus 12. The Titans found themselves behind on differential already. Do you see a way for them to get up into those top two seeds like they did in stage one? Because I, I look at the, the Excelsior schedule. I look at the shock schedule. I don't see a match where they trip. It's not to suggest it doesn't happen, but I, again, I just don't see that taking place. Uh, the Gladiators are playing quite well. I think for them, there might be the uh, a, a more difficult path, but again, they're probably going to be undefeated. Their map differential, however, is slightly worse considering they have one more win, but equal diff. Uh, it fires another wild card, but again, I think it's Excelsior shock top one, two Titans cruising, getting the three spot. Does that going into the potential of a stage two playoff? And I know it's still pretty early, but you know, arguably this is the midway point of the stage. Does this not bode well for the Titans where they have to face a top team early on? Uh, cause let's, I don't think so. I, I mean, I see the concern here. And looking back at stage one, we kind of accelerated there at the end of the stage to kind of uh, take that first uh, first seed. And I think the Titans, it was important to them back then when they still were unproven and, and the memes were still uh, <laughs> running about with how they're not OWL level. Mm -hmm. But now that they've won stage one, I'm not sure if they are that concerned with that as they were in the past. I think they're much more confident uh, going into the playoffs this time around uh yeah why not why not let's face a better team at right off the bat i don't think i don't think we are underdogs against any team i guess there's that um you know that match that everybody waits for but even if we are the second or third seed we will not see uh nyxl that early yeah. well time will tell we'll have a much better picture of the playoff picture after this weekend uh, with the Titans playing two more matches, but uh, something we'll have to keep an eye on uh, for the remaining few weeks of stage two. Now, uh, one final thing before we take a quick break, before we jump in the fray is just a reminder. If you want to watch the Vancouver Titans, you can join us and other Vancouver Titans fans at the railway stage and cafe on Dunsmere street in downtown Vancouver. Now it isn't an all ages event. It is 19 plus it is a liquor establishment. So you need to be legally able to buy the booze. 
but uh, <laughs> the uh, both the Thursday night match as well as the Sunday afternoon match will be on the uh, the big screen. So hopefully uh, we might see you out. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a fray. Well, what we do with every episode in the phrase, we look at the week that was. Now, uh, last week, we had gone through and uh, told you on Thursday that the match to watch was the Philadelphia Fusion and the Toronto Defiant uh, map. But before we actually talk a little bit about that, the scores were Paris Eternal 3, Florida Mayhem 1, New York Excelsior 4, Washington Justice sent home packing. We already heard the Titans beat the Soul Dynasty 3-1, and the Fusion beat the Defiant 3-1. Now, Alex, I think you and I got this one wrong. Sam said all other games on this day are bleh, and that seems to me to be what Thursday's all about. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't really enjoy any of these games. Uh, kind of a snore fest. Lucky for us, we had the Titans play. Uh, Toronto... They have a weaker starting here. Uh, they keep on losing this stage. I think they had like a pretty bad Busan map, but I, I guess Sam was really happy to see that the other maps were pretty close. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what it is about Toronto. Maybe a lack of confidence. A lot of times I see them uh, trying to, to, to make a play, but then they kind of apprehensive, especially in their um, tank lineup. Yakpong feels kind of unstable. I don't know. Despite seeing I'm 37 playing pretty well there, maybe there's some chemistry issues. I, again, I don't want to. I'm I'm pulling at straws here, but uh, no, nothing really impresses me about uh, these games that we saw, uh, especially the Philly versus Toronto. Both teams don't look really dominant, despite uh, Philly winning this match. And I yeah. I expected a, a a better fight between the two. I think that's what was most disappointing is that it. Neither, neither team seemed equal to the task. Right. Um, Friday though. So on Friday, uh, you had suggested the LA Valiant Atlanta rain match was the one to watch. Sam and I said the Boston uprising Hangzhou spark match was both of us happened to be right because those were the two matches that turned out to be something. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you mm -hmm. had the LA Valiant three, two over the Atlanta rain, that three, two win meant what? that they're no longer losing all the time. Yeah, that was their first win. You know, you had the Hangzhou Spark 3-2 over the Boston Uprising. That's uh, the uh, strat you need to play. You lose that one map to make sure Boston Uprising can't reverse sweep you. <laughs> first win, I think, in this stage for Hangzhou? Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah. their first map was against uh, Vancouver. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the San Francisco Shock and the Guangzhou Charge, well, that was a 4-0 fight. So I actually thought the charge held their own to some respect, but made so many mistakes that San Francisco not only stole their lunch money, but went home and stole all their clothes too. 
it's so not fair. Like their last map was also against the the shock. Their their schedule is brutal, brutal in in these two stages. Yeah, and something like GZ hasn't won a map this stage or something like that. Like yes, yes, they lost every map. Four O's, four O's. Yeah, it's just got to be completely disheartening. Uh, we yeah. also saw the Shanghai Dragons beat the Chengdu Hunters three one, and and this one was interesting. I I actually was surprised that Chengdu did as poorly as they did. Like Ameng didn't really exert any authority. Um, Shanghai played well. Let's not, you know, ignore that fact, but uh, they did beat or Shanghai did beat the Chengdu for one Saturday. Yeah, the Kongdu uh, dragons. <laughs> they played well. That's true. Uh, Giguri had some good plays there in that map uh, at that match as well. Nice game, nice games all around on Friday. And actually, speaking of Gagari, man, when they when they do well, like she smiles ear to ear. It's it's awesome to see. <laughs> uh, Saturday's oh. matches: we had the Spitfire beat the Philadelphia Fusion two one, the Titans beat the Outlaws three one, and then the Dallas Fuel four would Toronto, and the LA Gladiators four would the Charge. Um, our match to watch was the Fusion Spitfire. Arguably, that was the one to watch outside of the Titans. Um, it did seem to sort of go back and forth. Yeah, but it, it, the games always started uh, pretty close, but it felt to me like Spitfire were ahead in terms of adaptability. And, and again, they reacted quicker. And Philly's kind of lagging behind. Philly has this weird problem of thinking. I think they overestimate their skill at goats. They just need to toss that strategy out of the window or maybe reinvent themselves and, and go more aggressive. Maybe like uh, San Francisco uh, is playing. I'm not, I'm not really as impressed with how, especially Carpe, how he plays uh, in, in the last games. Maybe there's some turmoil there. They, they were never the stablest of teams. Is that a word even? I'm not sure, mm. but something is weird there in Philly. And on Sunday, yeah, the Dallas Field beat the Paris Eternal 2-1. The Atlanta Rain beat the Washington Justice 3-1. The New York's Excelsior went down the Florida and unleashed Mayhem, beating the Mayhem 4-0. And the LA Gladiators beat the LA Valiant in the Battle of LA 2-1. That trash talk. Oh, my God. So, so ruthless. And I'm, ha- <laughs> I'm happy that the Valiant actually came into this game with a victory. But... I... I actually, we, I mean, we, the three of us picked that one as the match to watch. I don't think it disappointed. It was a relatively well fought, uh, uh, match between the two, two teams from Los Angeles. I actually think, um, the Valiant lost more than the glad one. If that makes sense. Like I feel that the Valiant struggled to capitalize with opportunity made more mistakes, whereas the Gladiators simply were more consistent in their approach. I get that, yeah. Oh, before we actually progress, just a shout-out there for uh, Washington's Corey. Have you seen their their game against Atlanta? No, I, this, I did not see it, yeah. This guy, and I've seen all the peaks that Carpe had and Pine, his widow is absolute bonkers they need to create some i don't know goats meta with uh, just him playing widow and everybody else just kind of occupies uh the enemy team 
he's just clicking heads out there like it's nobody's business. His crit uh, percentages are off the charts, and you're watching it. It's insane. It's like one headshot after another. It's quite impressive. I haven't seen like a player go into, you know, like from a relative unknown to display that kind of mechanical skill on such a, you know, high high uh, skill level uh, character like widow it's absolutely insane you got you got to watch out for that kid his his widow is almost looks like he's cheating out there it's weird well i'll have every third shot is like a headshot closer close to like 30 percent crit well i'll have to go back and and look um i i will admit that was not one i did watch but uh what you're telling me is clicking heads isn't that hard uh yeah you just it's a point and click adventure. That's game, right. Is what it is. Yeah, just look at a head, click it and move on to the next yeah. head. Then click yeah. that one too. Yeah. So now that we've talked about the week that was, let's talk about the week that will be now on Thursday. We've got the New York Excelsior facing the Philadelphia fusion, the San Francisco shock facing the Toronto defiant, the Florida mayhem versus the LA gladiators and the Titans versus the field as we already talked about. Uh, unfortunately, Sam, uh, he is currently missing in action, did not tell us who his picks of the week were, nor did he provide any comments. So again, if you have seen Sam, please let him know <laughs> we miss him. Maybe he's occupied with the uh, NBA playoffs now. Yeah. You know, Maybe. should we get like Sam a sign that says, if you find me, please find adults nearby and help call home? <laughs> Just bring out sign cat and like days since we saw oh, gosh. them for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I might do that. So you and I, however, did get our picks in and both of us feel that the New York Excelsior Philadelphia Fusion is the match to watch on Thursday. Um, to be honest, I think you and I did the same thing. We picked a match because we needed to pick <laughs> one. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think both of the map to uh, the match to watch, even if you're not a Vancouver Titans fan, will be probably Dallas versus Vancouver. I just clicked on something by default. Yeah. I mean, the, the Shocker just going to annihilate the Defiant. Yeah, Glad should deal with Florida pretty handily here. Yeah. So I mean, that's to me Excelsior Fusion. That's just because you know we can watch the Excelsior play. I'm just hoping that Philly will just bring out something ridiculous like like I was ranting on about before that. So if they pull out the the plugs from the meta and they play like a triple DPS, maybe we'll see something interesting. Mm-hmm. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. On Friday, you've got the New York Excelsior facing the Atlanta Reign, the Philadelphia Fusion facing the Houston Outlaws, the LA Valiant facing the Washington Justice, and the Hangzhou Spark facing the Guangzhou Charge. You and I both picked the Fusion <laughs> Outlaws here. Oof, that, that day is even worse. <laughs> Well, okay. I, I look at it this way. Valiant Justice, that should be a even fight. Spark Charge might be an even fight. I don't know. Let's just uh let's just uh look at Saturday here. So on Saturday you've got the Spitfire versus the Uprising, the Dragons versus the Mayhem, the Fuel versus the Dynasty, and the Gladiators versus the Hunters. You and I both picked the Fuel and Dynasty here. Okay, yeah, these are better games for sure. Fuel Dynasty is going to be... A, they always seems, seem to have... Even though there's almost nobody from the Envious um, playing on DAS, I'm certain that somebody will mention their uh, age-old rivalry uh, between East and West, despite 
having nothing that res- resembles it uh, from these two teams. I think Dallas will take this game. Seoul is kind of weird. I'm, I'm not really sure what their coaching is doing now with, with their weird lineup. Sam's going to be disappointed in you. I'm sure he's more, more disappointed in this, the, the coaching staff for Seoul. Hmm. Really? Why, why is Flatter not playing? Don't ask me. I know nothing. I thought he, he was the meta. Maybe he's too smart. Chengdu, and I've marked the ob- obligatory Chengdu uh, pick. Do you, do you think the Chengdu Hunters can beat the Glad here? Uh, can they? Yeah, will they? But, yeah, I guess that's um, the better question. LA. What maps do they have? Oh, gosh. Uh, if I was prepared, I would already know that. Oh, come well, on, come you on. know, I can only do so much here. I mean, I'm already like, you know. Uh, having... Do you have like a background music while you wait? I should, you know. <laughs> so while we take a little bit of an interlude off the rails here, uh, I <laughs> picked up uh, some fun gear to enhance the podcasting game. And one of the things on it is like a little soundboard. I could press a button and I could just start up like the background music as we're playing. You know, anyhow, it's not yet hooked up, so I, I can't do that. Okay, map one, Busan, map two, Hanamura, map three, Eichenwald, and map four is Junkertown. Oh, the first map and the last one will be fun. You have Dronamura, and Eichenwald will be probably goats. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. And keep in mind, though, that, that Chengdu is not going to be ranked goats. Like, there isn't really a map yeah, there, but I think they would. A, yeah, that's always a, a cost to sell it for celebration. I guess. Yeah. And uh, wrapping up the week is Sunday's matches, where you have the Vancouver Titans face the Boston Uprising, the Houston Outlaws versus the Shanghai Dragons, the Hangzhou Spark, and the San Francisco Shock, and the Atlanta Rain and the Guangzhou Charge. Now, you and I had a split decision here. You chose Spark versus Shock. I chose Rain over Charge, and I'm going to tell you, the only reason I chose Rain over Charge is I actually saw that as the map that the Charge can finally win or the match that they can yeah. win. Yeah, Atlanta isn't doing that well either. That'll be a close game, I think. And I, I will admit, I'm kind of curious what you thought the Shock-Spark <laughs> match would be, because again, I think the Shock will annihilate the Spark. I think so too. <laughs> I'm just hoping that maybe, maybe uh, Gushwe has shown some brilliant moments in the last game. I think they might be on an, uh, an upwards trajectory right now. Um, but the shock, so like the shock are playing out of their They're minds. pissed off. Like, I actually yeah. wonder how much losing the stage one final, the way they did against the Titans has potentially motivated them in stage two. Like they, they are going to town right now and yeah. their schedule is, you know, so fortuitous. So I, I, yeah, I, I mean, every great team, looking back, they always have this one moment where they lost despite being really close. It was great experience for, for this young team, and they're kind of scary, I, I can tell you that. We played them twice, and they gave us a hell of a fight in both occasions. I'm, I'm enjoying watching this team. Yeah, they're, they're a great team right now, and, and um, I might... I don't want to... I, I don't know who I consider to be scary right now, the shock or the, the NYXL. I'll just leave it at that. Well, now that we've told you the week that will be, let's talk about the week that will be when it is the following weekend. 
And that is the upcoming uh, homestand weekend. The first one, it'll be the Dallas Fuel Homestand weekend. It is at the Allen Event Center. So for those of you who don't know about this building, uh, capacity is about 8,100. They've got a concert style layout is what they've uh, set up for the tickets that they sold. And uh, for those of you who thought they might grab tickets to see the Eternal versus the Spitfire, the Spark versus the Hunters, the Outlaws versus the Dynasty, the Valiant versus the Fuel, the Spark versus the Eternal, the Hunters versus the Spitfire, the Dynasty versus the Valiant, and the Outlaws versus the Fuel, <laughs> no tickets can be had. They are sold out. So April 27, 28, that weekend, no tickets. Sold out. Gonzo. First and foremost, are you surprised that the tickets sold out as quick as they did for that homestand? Mm, no. Uh, I think the LA crowd is by this point has been, you know, t- pampered enough with all these games and great matches. So they're like already been spoiled. And a lot of the fans, including here in Vancouver, are really, really hungry for that OWL. And, and Dallas fans are pretty passionate. And I'm really happy uh to see a change of a stage and i'm looking forward to listen to that uh crowd shouting uh it'll be it'll be actually fun despite the fact that we're not playing uh in those uh, in the dallas week i'm looking forward to watching that on stream yeah and the uh the thing about that week as well just so that you are aware uh, while i went through all of the matches we're only going to see uh gameplay on saturday as well as sunday So there's no Thursday, Mm -hmm. Friday for us. We're going to get a few extra days off. I don't know what we'll do with ourselves. You're also going to need to ensure that you're up a little bit earlier on the weekend because the first match starts at 9 a.m. on the 27th. The Paris Eternal versus the London Spitfire at 9 a.m. Why is it so early? Well, I would assume because those are two European uh, teams that they want to, you know, ensure have a reasonable time to, to watch. It's a... It'll be what, uh, about five, uh, 5 PM, uh, in, in London, uh, I think 6 PM in, in Paris. That's fair. We can have our beauty sleep uh, after the yeah. game, but yeah, it's uh, starts at nine and last match is the Valiant versus the fuel on the Saturday. It's two 15. Uh, you get to sleep in for an hour on the 28th because the first match starts at 10 with the final match starting at three 15. It'll be available on uh, Twitch. It'll be available on, uh, the Overwatch League app, uh, ESPN app has it as well. And then on the Sunday, uh, they're actually going to be broadcasting on Disney XD for a, a couple of matches. If you are so interested, um, as far as the ticket selling out and the fact that you're right, I think there's a, there's going to be a strong, you know, Dallas crowd that'll be in the building. How many of the other teams are looking at this saying, man, I, I want to get in on this action. I know that nothing's going to happen for stage yeah. or stage one, sorry, season two. We obviously know that there will be these types of events throughout season three. Yeah, this is totally the league uh, flexing its arms uh, towards uh, prospective uh, businessmen or, or, or investors showing here we are. We sold out this venue and it's definitely looking good. Uh, business-wise, even though we, we we are seeing kind of a drop a little bit in, in the viewership on Twitch, but this will be something tangible that, you know, the more the old school investors will be looking at and uh, the results are quite uh, promising so far. Yeah. And I think we would be remiss if we also didn't mention that while tickets for the matches are sold out, for any of you who want to go down to Dallas for the homestand after party presented by GameStop, well, there's still <laughs> tickets available for that. Um, I 
quite frankly, don't know what will be going on with the after party. I would be curious if any of you listeners are going down there, if you can report back to us uh, what that's like. Uh, just reading uh, the info on the website here, it says, join the Dallas Hill and other Overwatch League teams for the official homestand weekend after party presented by GameStop with a special performance from music artist Karma Fields. Win Dallas Hill gear and other door prizes provided GameStop. Doors open at 9.30 p.m. Ages 18 plus. No Jack in a Box uh, meals. For no, no Jack in a Box. You know, this is what I find funny. It's an 18 plus event, but the cash bar is for 21 up because down there in the United States, you got to wait a few years before you can have the wobbly oh, pops. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. Anywho, move. Enjoy responsibly. Yes, that's right. Enjoy responsibly. <laughs> Moving right along, there were some more moves uh, in the Overwatch League, and uh, moves may not best describe. It's more. Pet- you know, upcoming moves. So first and foremost, I think the biggest one is Kate leaving the justice. So Kate's been their GM and she'll be leaving the justice uh, at the end of stage two. Now the, the departure um, she is outlined as being to focus on her personal and mental well-being. And this is something we've talked about in, in other episodes that there does seem to be um, a significant strain within the Overwatch League as it pertains to to primarily mental well-being. But what's most interesting about her departure is that she actually singled out Reddit and the toxicity that exists in Reddit as being one of the bigger factors in the issues that she's facing. Yeah, I mean, bad teams need changes. That's fair to say but but i felt like kate felt kind of the brunt of you know how reddit overreacts and 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 i think she kind of picked the fight that she shouldn't have she kind of felt to me like kai kai from last season trying to uh, protect her decisions and and stand behind and, and with all the trash talking that occurs on twitter you shouldn't be doing that uh, again no result in the world or no professional decision should uh, justify any sort of harassment on any type of level. So I'm with her on that depart- on that front. Like it, nothing is justifiable of, of actually attacking a person online, whatever their uh, role may be. But I guess uh, you should be smarter. If you are planning on ever being a public figure, especially in esports, prepare to either lay low or have the thickest of skins, and and uh, yeah, don't pick pick up fights with with the hive mind or or try to defend your stance because you'll always be a loser coming out. And yeah, I'm sad about how it went down, but I'm just happy for the teams that are that are trying to fix uh, some of uh, of you know their professional uh, problems there. And you know, for those who who you know, are curious, you know, what is it that she said? Her, her article that she had written and is posted on medium goes into quite a bit of detail, but I'm just going to read just a, uh, one paragraph here, um, that she says it's impossible to ignore though, that I've also been confronted with toxicity and casual cruelty from strangers that outpaced anything I saw in years in gaming and politics, especially from people on Reddit. I've been on Reddit for over 10 years and have seen both its strength as a tool for community building and solidarity And it's dark side, empowering false rumors, giving attention and ad revenue to muck rakers and liars, and fostering a culture where fans delight in the pain and juice from voyeuristically watching for negative moments in the professional careers of players and staff. 
why I, I share that is I feel that while maybe Reddit was where she saw the, the, you know, the focus, I, I feel that that's just social media, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I cannot disagree with anything that she said there. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's like, you know, if you were to say, you know, people on Twitter and I've been on Twitter for over 10 years, people on Facebook, I've been on Facebook. Like, I think each social media platform does have issues. They're all trying different things to deal with it. Uh, Reddit's a little bit different because it is more hive mind. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with anything she's saying, because it is true. I mean, heck, I mean, it's nowhere near the same. There are no parallels here, but I mean, we've had stuff posted uh, that, you know, people just go and lay into us about opinions that we've (laughs) shared, whether we're right or we're wrong, doesn't provide you the opportunity to go and tell me what you're going to be doing with my mom at night. Like, you know, it just blows my mind. That said, if you are going over there, let her know I'm coming out for dinner this weekend. I, I again, I'm I'm blown away by this, and I, I maybe it's because I'm old and I remember the good old days. But it's, it's just unfortunate that we're starting to see its impact, you know, reach Overwatch League in the way it has. Yeah, there's a lot of drama, and you'll always get the vocal minority out shouting, you know, the sane, quiet majority by by a lot Mm -hmm. so it it happens uh unfortunately it will keep on happening and i don't see it uh changing that much in the future so uh, those uh personas that do choose to put themselves out there on on display be it for like um you know positive reasons will they try to defend their uh decisions or you know just be prepared to um to receive it, whether it's right or wrong, obviously it's wrong, but, but you cannot avoid it, I guess is what I'm trying to get to. Uh, that's how it is when you're a public figure on the interwebs. Mm -hmm. Um, other moves that we saw, well, this one has to do with the, the mayhem and the valiant. So as we heard on the last episode, uh, Florida mayhem decided they're going to go with an all Korean roster and making that adjustment meant that a few other players, as well as their coaching staff uh, needed to find a new job. Well, one of those has promise is uh, effectively, or as of effective now uh, joining the LA Valiant as an assistant coach. Now I think the Valiant can use the help. I mean, that's quite clear, uh, but two, it's actually good to see promise finding a job so quickly, having been essentially put out with a recycling. Uh, I yeah, I hope he's not too overwhelmed with uh, Custa's intelligence. Yeah, well, we know how smart he is. <laughs> Effects, another player we talked about, uh, he will be staying with the Dallas Fuel, but while not as a, in a playing role as one of their uh, their stream team members. So it's good to see that um, it sounds like he'll be able to continue to access the, the Dallas Fuel you know, structure and resources. Some, some type of uh, support that they're going to, you know, uh, give him those, that. That's nice to yep. hear. And then uh, another move uh, was that uh, we see Gurincha joining the NYXL as a strategic coach. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know who Gurincha is, uh, he's previously a coach for X6 Gaming as well as the Sky Foxes. Uh, he's actually bounced around a couple of times in the past uh, six to eight months. Uh, first and foremost, what is a strategic coach over an assistant coach or a head coach? 
I don't know. I just hope that he's uh, pretty good at uh, doing the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> well, when you have something blocking uh, your airways, like it tends to happen to this team, uh, it might come in handy. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I guess uh, every team is free to uh, kind of label their uh, coaching positions. I mean... In the Titans, we don't have many coaches as is, so we saw a lot of diversity in, in how people uh, would label the roles. Mm. So I'm not really privy. We're not privy to that information, what their role actually consists of, unless the team is uh, telling us specifically what it is that this guy does. Do we have some history about this guy? Because I haven't heard his name ever. Uh, to I think to be like, honest, yeah. I, I saw the move and I was, yeah, like, you know, who is this guy? Um, when I looked into... <laughs> his his history uh on uh well over.gg uh his profile is like non-existent uh and so i simply went with what they said he previously coached x6 gaming and skyfoxes joined x6 in december of 2018 left near yeah. the end of january 2019 to join skyfoxes and he remained with skyfoxes from february until he joined the excelsior so if it's strategic, I guess is he will not be doing like daily tasks like uh, overseeing uh, the the tactics of a map to map basis. Maybe more a long term approach of scouting academy uh, dealings, or something yeah. like that. And then one final um, move that I, I want to talk about, and it's actually it's not something we would normally cover in the podcast. Like it has to do with a contenders player. But uh, Asking is leaving the Uprising Academy. So Asking has had uh, an interesting year. Uh, Asking was one of the players that uh, was formerly on Uprising Academy's precursor, Toronto Esports, who got to go through with Toronto Esports' owner's complete self-destruction. <laughs> but that's actually not what we're wanting to talk about. See, for those who maybe have been following along through social media and what have you, there was a rumor that both the uprising and the valiant had, had made a trade or a series of trades and asking was allegedly told that he was going to be joining the LA valiant. So instead of being a contenders player, actually joining the valiant as an owl player. And then unfortunately this alleged deal fell through after he had already been told he was moving, um, and uh, the long and short of it, um, I presume him now becoming a free agent has more to do with that. If that was in fact true. Yeah. Mismanagement is, uh, has happened plenty of times before. That's a, a, a glaring example of that. It's pretty sad. There's a lot of talents out in tier two to try, just trying to, you know, make a name for themselves. And when you get that, suddenly the news that you're you've actually made it and and you think that here you actually uh you, you make made your dreams come true and suddenly it's taken away from you i my heart go out goes out for that to that dude it sounds uh, pretty horrible so i hope he finds uh a new home in tier two and eventually makes it to overwatch league if it's good enough and that's pretty yeah. much it so enough overwatch league let's talk a little bit about overwatch as we wrap this episode up the archives event storm rising is live. Uh, Lord, have you played it yet? Uh, yes, I did. I, I ran through it once and then in, in the easiest, uh, Ditto. you know, rank, yeah. I think it's normal just to rush through it. It looks nice. Uh, 
event likes and new enemies. We we get the same ones we saw in Retribution, mm-hmm. I think it was called. The cutscenes are a nice touch. They look like they're in-game, but I think it's a rendered movie that was created in-game. Lore is always good in my book. Uh, we saw some, I don't know, previews maybe for potential future heroes. So, Yorn? What do you think about yeah, and on the, that evil Omnic yep. at the end. I don't know if he's evil, but he he's willing to you know take that fight to the next level. Yep. I think on Anubis in cahoots with uh, Doomfist mm-hmm. there. But if we are discussing it in a competitive uh, podcast here, uh, the map uh, I I thought it will be hybrid, but it looks like a pure escort map. It kind of reminds me of uh, jumbled up. Uh, Junker Town, and I'll explain it. It goes from a level that looks like a streets level, not really as narrow as King's Row, but more like like uh, Rialto. Then it goes into a closed phase in that distillery section, which is really really mm-hmm. interesting, where you have the scaffolding, like uh, you know, um, uh, an upper level, a lower level. It looks like the payload would actually go through these uh, small nooks and cr- crannies. Looks like a horrible map to go through if you're facing like a Junkrat or a May. Reapers sneaking up on you. And then it goes to like this massive open area, kind of like what you have in, in the beginning of, of Junker Town, but there you have it at the end. So you have this little castle with towers. You're, you will see probably double snipers. So that kind of shows me that uh, Overwatch League and the Overwatch developing team, they, they uh, live out that philosophy, kind of like what we see in Stage 2 now, that you don't have a one one uh, size fits all approach. You you actually need to adapt your uh, your meta on the fly in, during a map, and and they actually uh, created this map that's so different in in its three thirds, I guess, three sections that you would actually have to uh, go back to the spawn room. This was really cool. It looks nice. And yeah, that's pretty much yeah, it. I I feel the event like I went through a normal. It felt quick. Um, yeah. And I, I like the cutscenes. In fact, I, what was real interesting is um, I went through it the second time with all heroes, uh, which you don't get to see the cutscenes. And one of the people in there was all pissed off. I was like, what do you mean? I don't get to see the cutscenes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I was, I was hoping for a big uh, like showdown at the end that it was like a new boss. Well, that's what it felt like but... it was leading up to. Except right. uh, for spoiler, alert, close your ears. It doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, uh, if you haven't played it already, make sure you get in there. Uh, in the arcade, you get a free uh, loot box by beating the actual mode with uh, Genji, Mercy, um, Genji, Mercy, Ash, and uh, Winston. Not a- no Genji, Mercy, Gen- uh, Genji, Mercy, Winston. Who's the last Tracer, one? Tracer. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think because uh, I was mixing up and because I had someone choose Ash in the All Heroes mode, and then in the All Heroes oh. mode, you uh, you also get a free loot box. So like, beat that twice. There's two loot boxes. It counts as an arcade win. You know, beat it nine times on normal, and there you get your free loot boxes. The patch also introduced a few changes. Now this doesn't impact the Overwatch League yet, but it impacts you and your gameplay. So Junkrat's uh, Frag Launcher has been changed. His projectile speed has increased from 20 to 25, and his grenades now bounce less but explode sooner. So ultimately, oh, this is like Junkrat throwing, not stickies, but pretty close to being stickies. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> it's it's a shield-busting comp, right? I mean, that's that's all they're really wanting to do. Yeah. With Bunker being more predominant, you need mm-hmm. that 
Reaper, Reaper had a change to Shadow Step. Now, you might think, ah, Shadow Step, it can't impact too much. Well, Shadow Step now has a quicker cooldown from seven to six seconds, can be used in the air. The time to exit's reduced from one second to 0.5 of a second, so a half second. He's invisible the entire time it takes to exit Shadow Step. Railings and other breakable objects no longer block teleporting. And while Shadow Step exists, it's still disabled by Rosario's Graviton Surge and Junkrat's Steel Trap, so you can't see Reaper just go invis-ish um, out of that. Why is this change big, though? He shows up, presses Q, everyone dies. Like, that's that's what's going to happen with that change there. Yeah, it feels more like in line with what he was designed to do, right? To just go in there, bust a lot of damage, and go out quickly. A lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of potential in sick highlights, especially with him falling down and suddenly shadow stepping away. Uh, it'll be uh, probably acted upon more in Overwatch League soon once this patch comes out. I think he'll be more viable because right now is pretty not, is not really mobile and that will give him a lot of mobility and I'm looking forward to seeing that. And then the last thing, uh, Symmetra, teleporter change railings and other breakable objects no longer block the teleporter placement and teleporting. Simply put, teleporter go everywhere you go through. So you can place it on a railing? If Apparently it says railings and other breakable objects no longer block teleporter placement. And then if you break that railing probably drop down. I don't know. I need to test yeah, I, I, I did actually play her a little bit in Mystery Heroes, but uh, I didn't survive long enough to play around with the teleporter. <laughs> <laughs> now, I guess one other thing that just came in late, um, and we're just going to sort of quickly run through some of the highlights here. Uh, Uncle Jeff, Jeff Kaplan, he joined O'Nickel during uh, a live Blizzard HQ stream. And uh, a few things came out of it. First and foremost, Havana map will be PVP. It's later down the road. Echo at So Yorn is not Hero 31. So there is another hero coming in. We don't know who it is. Um, Jeff Kaplan, we are never making Jetpack Cat. Jetpack Cat. Never. Never? I'm uninstalling. Uh, big plans for Junker Queen more on the long-term front. I, I talked about this actually in one of the earlier episodes of Ready, Set, Pwn when I, before we saw uh, the introduction of Ash and Bob, I thought the Junker Queen might be who was introduced. Hmm. Uh, and then uh, he also said the dev teams focused on more feature content. So feature content are like things like archives, the anniversary, what have you. Um, anniversary event's going to be cool because they're going to have a feature that many have asked for. It's going to be really huge for the game. What feature would that be? Uh, I'm trying to think. Capture the flag. Capture the flag. Oh wait, nobody really asked for it, and it's yeah. already there. I'm well, that's sure. the thing. I was actually trying to think. Like, what, what have, what have everybody been, been asking for? That that would be huge for the game. Like a, a lever's queue, maybe. I don't know. Sing, single player campaign. Well, well, we have that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, apparently, there'll also be a skin in that anniversary event that's going to break the internet. Oh, it's a family. It's in like a family show yeah, here. Can't so. get can't get into that. Uh, there's apparently more features that have been asked for by the community that we're going to see coming this summer. Uh, no guilds or clan support coming. It's not part of one of the upcoming features. Uh, cross-platform play. Don't uh, hold your breath. Uh, challenging for both a technical business standpoint. Uh, comics are in development. Um, no major hero reworks. They are entertaining the idea of a forced two-two-two roll queue. Ooh. The fact that they're entertaining that idea now 
What do you think the odds are that that shows up for stage three or stage four? Uh, 50%. (laughs) Yeah, I I actually, I I would say more like two thirds. I, I, I want like, part of me wonders if you see like the shock NYXL Vancouver become as dominant as they are as goats that the Overwatch League may want to try to introduce some form of parody? 100% will have it in Season 3. As to this season, I don't know. Um, there's other things that were said. I think they're really the only other, uh, or there's two actually things I want to talk about. One, uh, story mode would be as ambitious as making as a brand new game. So this doesn't, in my mind indicate that story mode isn't possible. We've talked about this actually at some of the events, if you've been out to it. Um, I know uh, for those of you who follow Axel, uh, he and I were chatting about it. Both he and I sort of view this as the potential for like expansion revenue or uh, DLC type revenue, build a new game. Overwatch, Overwatch 2. Yeah, you know, whatever that might be. So I I see some value there and we know that Activision during their call, uh, or Activision Blizzard as they're still called, uh, during their investors call said they want to see this property make more money and then the last comment from uncle jeff there is a really cool pvp surprise coming to the ptr very soon please be looking out for it hmm. anyhow kind of reminds me of uh square enix's uh communications please be excited <laughs> we don't know about what but we'll please be excited be excited we'll, we'll <laughs> so as we wrap up our episode, I just want to remind you that you can find us at readysetpone.com. We're on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash readysetpone, facebook.com slash readysetpone. Um, I actually asked if you are listening and didn't happen to be in our Discord. Uh, our Discord uh, is also, first of all, a fantastic group of people. It's relatively quiet if you want a nice place to, to hang out uh, as opposed to the official server, which I also recommend you being part of. But I asked if uh, people can like us on Facebook, share our content with all your friends and family member, do the same on Twitter. We last week hit 2000 podcast downloads, which is a huge milestone for us. Uh, it, it took us to hit a thousand approximately four months, two months later, we hit 2000. So we doubled that in half the amount of time. And I figured, you know what, if it took us two, uh, six months to essentially get to 2000, I think we can hit that to 4,000 mark before the end of the summer. But to do that, we need your help. Share our content, leave us comments, tell us what you didn't like, what you did love, uh, you know, leave us reviews. Uh, we're actually thinking of some creative things that we can do as sort of a community, um, whether it be, you know, uh, game nights, um, show matches, uh, Omni and I were talking about, Hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we streamed this podcast when we were recording live? That'd be pretty cool. So just, just play the pod on, on repeat that too. That would help. (laughs) But uh, any final thoughts or words of wisdom uh, that you have for our listeners? Uh, Yeah. Vote for the Titans for the all-star game and uh, bumper in particular. We want to see him there. We saw a great video of him pitching. I am awesome. Better than anyone. He's right though. Like, who do you want to see there? If not bumper, I I don't disagree. I just, when I saw that video, I'm like shade. Yeah, this is a bumper in its uh, purest, purest. But yes, all-star game. Go vote for your Titans. Let's get them in. Uh, Final thoughts from me. Has anyone seen Sam? Please let Sam know we we care. We hope he makes it home. Yeah. Anywho, 
On behalf of Omni at Omni Strife, the Missing in Action Sam at Another Sam Champ, myself, Chris at Light Force, I'm going to sign this episode off like I always do. Hatchrays! Thank you.